look, I've said it before, I don't like it. I don't like the standing around. I don't like the whole theatre around, you know, waiting for decisions. But I, I know that I'm, I'm in the wilderness of that. I'm, I'm kind of on my own. That When we're complaining about decisions every week, this is what's going to happen. People are just going to forensically scrutinise everything to make sure that they're comfortable, it's right, and even at the end of that, we're still not happy. It's just diminishing the authority of the referee. You can't tell me that referees are in controls of game now. They're not. The control is outside of that. And welcome to the Sound of Football Podcast. I'm Graham Sibley, and as ever, I'm joined by Jan Bilton. Hello. Once he's found his mute button. And Terry DeFellon. Hello. I was just pausing just out of sympathy, really. Just... <laughs> From a colleague. <laughs> yes, Thank I'm you. sure you were. Oh, technology's let us down again, isn't it? <laughs> every week. It seems like every week technology lets us down, Graham. <laughs> well, or does it let us down or do we just like complaining about technology? Is it just <laughs> the fact that we've got old fingers and it doesn't work properly and the modern world is just too difficult and scary for us to understand? Is that really the problem, yeah? Well, there is that, but, uh, you know, I, I put myself on, on mutes because I had a good little scratchy throat. And then I forgot to take myself off it. And then when the pressure was on, I couldn't get to the button. And so, oh, it was awful. It was awful. Where's the override? The override! <laughs> yeah. It's awful. But that just shows you, you know, when, when the pressure's on, yeah. the pressure's on, it's very difficult to work with technology. I know, exactly. I mean, like, this is just three guys having a chat. I'm, like, imagine if you like got the world watching you. And you've got to press the right button and, yeah. Yes, yes, listeners, it's it's going to be another discussion. Not about VAR, but about, well, it's all right. It's going to be VRR-esque. <laughs> okay. We can't avoid it. Well, Terry, no, we can't avoid it because uh, there is no other conversation at the moment in football other than VAR. There is, it would appear not. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we could talk about Saudi getting the World Cup, but that's even more depressing. <laughs> <laughs> so, so let's let's not do that. Oh. I mean, no, there is no only it's the only conversation at the moment. It would appear. Um, it's certainly in England is on VAR and its usage and on refereeing in general, and and then people's reactions to VAR and stuff like that. Because so, you know, Arteta is angry, Hal reacts, Pep reacts, you know, and you think, thinking this is just some kind of daisy chain of asinine content that you have to wonder is how healthy and how genuinely interesting it is. Is that it, Jan? Is it all just about the outrage clicks? Is it just this, this constant churn of content that, you know, has to keep the story bubbling over between one weekend to another? Because, you know, what else are you going to use your 24-hour news networks and your clickbait sites that you have to just generate reams and reams of content for every day? Uh, yes. <laughs> it's... <laughs> All right, then. I know that's Next not going to get us through an hour <laughs> worth of conversation, but um, yeah, it just seems like certain 
parts of the media, and this is not just in sport, seem to be driven by outrage or they drive the consumers to them if you like that, that kind of that cycle um through outrage and if you're not outraged by something then there's no point watching so it's almost like it, it's driving that so there's, there's sky and bt in the uk that run near 24-hour coverage of football even when there's no football on there's football on yeah um and then there's discussion shows about the football that's been on and then there's discussion shows and, and then and fan shows about the discussion shows about the football that's been on and you can't keep that full of content unless you're generating it yourself. And so you have a contentious decision that happened at the weekend and everyone's losing their shit over it. And it's just one person's disagreeing with another person over it. It's not like a process failure like the, the Liverpool one uh, was. Even that got a bit tiresome after a while. But it's just the way of modern media, really, isn't it? We see it with everything. You saw it with, you know, the days after Brexit and all things like that. It's, just, it's, it's what drives the media and, and sports just the same sort of stuff. There's too much rolling news going on, to answer your point, um, mm. that needs filling with content. And that's what's driving this, I think. Yes, listeners, welcome to another half hour of football chat. <laughs> the fellows from The Sound of Football. You know, the, we, we turn up every week, whether you like it or not. We're here we are. Um, yeah, but there is this, this sort of constant needs for content, though, isn't there, Terry? I mean, like, we were itching, weren't we, at the start of this? Like, five minutes ago, yeah, press record. We've got so much we want to get off our chest about this, didn't we? Um, no, <laughs> we are, we have arrived reluctantly at this conversation because this is really was the, the only thing that we felt of, of note that one we could talk about too, that we could, could share any, or any entertaining opinions, if not actual genuine insight. It is becoming tedious. This isn't really about the technology side of things, really, I guess, is that this is VAR that's being used as part of a process by a referee to make a decision that Mikel Arteta strongly disagrees with. And I would suggest a number of Arsenal fans also strongly disagree with. I think we had agreed that we wouldn't go into the basics of the yeah. mechanics because others can do that. The fact of the matter is the reason why we're, this is noteworthy is because it's really more about the human beings rather than actually the technology itself on this particular occasion. One of them being specifically Mikel Arteta, who's just so angry about this. And Graham, you suggested before we started recording that perhaps there was a, there was a desire uh, on behalf of football media to try and uh, pigeonhole Arteta into a kind of specific type of person in that kind of, you know, they're hoping that maybe Mikel Arteta becomes something like a Mourinho figure and that he's, you know, you know, can be relied upon to say something explosive and controversial at least once every fortnight. Yeah, I, I do. I, th I think that's that's how they're, they're trying to build him up. And obviously they're different people and I don't think Mikel Arteta you know, is perfectly good at what he does, but he's not Jose Mourinho. He's just not that type of, of person. But because we don't have anyone else anywhere near like Jose Mourinho at the moment in the Premier League, then you've got to try and make your own one, haven't you? And here you got you got you got your Aldeon Jose Mourinho here with uh, Mikel Arteta. No, not in the way that he prepares a team or anything he does on the pitch. Just maybe because look at his antics on the touchline. Look at him complaining again. Oh dear, let's put him on telly again. Oh look at Arsenal moaning again. And yeah, Arsenal fans do moan a lot. But then again, yeah, we got plenty to moan about. Well, in fairness, you're not the only club that's got plenty to moan about. I guess it's because you're one of the bigger clubs with the larger fan base. <laughs> that you plenty of moans tend, to, <laughs> moans tend to carry a lot further than, say, Palace or, dare I say, Sunderland fans moaning. 
but both sets of fans are as capable of moaning as as anyone else. Mm. I reckon Sunderland could definitely win some awards for the most moaniest fans. Oh, God, yeah. But they mean, genuinely we, have something to moan about, that, to be fair. Yeah, I know, but they, they're still... <laughs> Still a lot of morning. Even that taken into account, Terry. There's still <laughs> there's still a, a Champions League level of morning going when on. Sunderland I, I, when when Sunderland finally take their rightful place back in the Premier League, can you imagine what's going to be what it's going to be like when they get on the wrong end of a VAR? Oh my God, we are never going to hear the end. This podcast alone will be in several parts, all of which will be just yan. You see, I I wonder whether yes, that is absolutely true. That would definitely happen. There's, I'm not not going to argue against that. But I wonder if there was a, a big incident in a in a game between, say, I don't know, Burnley and Sheffield United. Would it cause as much outrage as uh, the one at the weekend caused? Probably not. No, probably yeah, not. No. So I think the fact that, you know, that you've got Arsenal fans mourning about it is, is because, you know, it's a giant club. And of course, they're going to complain about it. So to your point, Terry, I, I'd probably be the lone voice on this on this podcast. Dare I say the non-Sunderland podcast media that would be warning about it because no one else would think about it if mm. it was Sunderland against Burnley, for example, at the bottom of the Premier League. And that, I think that's the problem. So you can you, know, you can sell this outrage because it's got Arsenal written all over it this week and it had Liverpool all over it the week before that and so on and so forth. So because it's causing problems for the big clubs, that's what's driving TV audiences because they want to see the biggest clubs play. And, it, it, you know, it, it's just manufacturing that outrage. And then, you know, we'll get Sunus and, and Kane on or Carragher to come on and it can just all start arguing with each other over pointless nothing decisions. It was kind of the way of the world, isn't it? It's the same. You, go, you know, I quite like watching the news when I finish work, and they always get two people on with different opinions, and they just shout at each other. <laughs> and it's just kind of seems to be just the way of the world. Yeah, yeah. And if you watch the news, it's a horror show at the moment. So you're like, let's oh, watch some sport <laughs> instead. Oh God, no! <laughs> 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 <sighs> ah, dear. Yeah, yeah. In that case, has there been incidents this season of similar magnitude in terms of controversy? So let's look at the uh, Liverpool v Tottenham situation. And then let's look at, obviously, the, the Arsenal v Newcastle one that we just had. Have we had similar kind of events take place this season with mid-table or lower division clubs that has just been ignored? Or are these the only two incidents that, of this magnitude that we can think of that have happened this season? I guess what I'm coming to is, like, is this something that only happens to big clubs? Because the pressure is greater, and so the more the likelihood of, of mistakes being made is that is that in any way a theory? I don't know. I mean, there does seem to be a theme that Brighton feel that they have been hard done by the most when it comes to VAR errors. So I think they've been apologised to most by the PGMOL. Brighton. Brighton, yes. Really? Yeah. Yeah, but surely that's deliberate though, right? Well, yeah, because I mean, everyone they, hates it. They're them. probably right though. They're really, the really apologies are because, they, because you know, it is the correct thing to do. Yeah. Yes? Probably they're being apologised to, but they don't mean it. Hollow apologies. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, I'm sorry if you feel. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Classic non-apology. <laughs> yeah. All fans can put together their own dossier that has images, video of incidents, of slow motion replays. They can knit all this together. They can put all the red string together and come up with their conspiracy reels. 
And these things get shared around like nobody's business on social media. And of course, it just means that the our club is being targeted because look, exhibit A, exhibit B, exhibit C. And really, when it breaks down to how VAR has changed the season, it really doesn't change it that much, does it? But you'll only ever remember the bad stuff that happens. And yeah, Jan's right. You know, if it's a bigger club, there's more people, there's more conspiracy nuts out there saying that the referees are one incompetent or two bent, and VAR hasn't hasn't done anything to take that idea away. If anything, it's made it worse because we get even more replays of incidents, even more discussion of incidents. And everyone would say, oh, well, it'd be different if we heard what they were saying. We heard what they were saying for that Liverpool-Tottenham thing. That is, <laughs> do we really want to be hearing that every week? I'm going to interject here and say something that I think that regular listeners yourself would be very surprised to hear me say. I watched a rugby league match fairly recently. I watched the Challenge Cup final between Lee Leopards and the Hull Kingston Rovers. And in the final seconds, Lee scored a try to equalise the game. So the Challenge Cup final for the uninitiated is basically Rugby League's FA Cup. It's the second biggest game in their calendar. It's it's the second most prestigious trophy that they can win. It's a big deal. Uh, And neither of the two finalists had won it before, or Hal KR maybe had. It's been ages since they've done it. Anyway, so Lee scored this try, and the referee, and bearing in mind in Rugby League, they've had the third match official for decades now, so they're a bit, probably a little bit better at using it. The referee wasn't sure about it, so he sent it upstairs, and there's this guy upstairs, and he's going, all right, yeah, that angle's fine. No, not that one, the other one. Yep, slower. Slow, please. As slow as you can. And it went on for a couple of minutes. He's going, no, I'll have another look at that. Yeah, and he stopped, just paused for a moment, because he was probably conscious of the fact that, you know, there's Wembley Stadium is baying for a decision. It's literally <laughs> the last minute. This is it. If it's not a try, Hull win the Challenge Cup. If it is a try, it goes to extra time. And he, and he stops and he goes, this is a Challenge Cup final, and we'll take as long as we need to get this sorted, or something along those lines. And his voice and the measure with which he spoke so like who was completely in control compare it to the well if you want if you need closure on the anecdote it was a try and lee won in extra time but that's not the point of the story the point of the story is is that when you compare it to the voice to to, to what we got for that liverpool game like talking over each other sort of almost yelling you know sort of like panicking panicking mm. whereas this guy it felt like he was aware that there was that this was a big deal but he felt like he, you know felt like a snooker commentator aware that this is a big deal but maintaining the decorum and calm required to be able to arrive at the decision. So if we are going to do this stupid thing, VAR also doesn't work in rugby league, by the way. If you are going to do this, you've got to clean up your processes an awful lot more. It doesn't matter whether or not it's going over the airways. I mean, the rugby league viewers get the benefit of hearing this guy speak. But that isn't the point. It shouldn't, be, it shouldn't matter. They should be a lot more professional. And I hate to say this, but it's possible that football – could learn something from rugby league. I'm glad you added that there. To be fair, uh, as far as I'm aware, it's no different in rugby union. If I'm being yeah, honest. I was yeah, I was going to say I'm that. I'm sure Jan would say that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, that's when we when we talked about um, that particular incident in the Liverpool game. You know, we we said you know about them using you know very deliberate language. So it's quite clear what you're doing and quite clear what what you have to do. So there's no confusion what you're being asked to do by your colleague, let's say the guy on the pitch, uh, as he talks upstairs. So, yeah, I just think that, you know, having listened to that video, it, obviously it was shambolic, but that was one. That was just one that got picked out. I mean, uh, how do we know 
what's being said how do we know what happened in in the arsenal game what what on earth was being discussed there and and whether that you know that that was as equally as chaotic because you know in a in a multi billion pound sport and I don't just mean well yes yeah, sport but it's just in the Premier League, for God's sake, how much money that's worth. You would expect a certain level of, of professionalism and high level of training and competence when you're dealing with decisions like that, or, or not even taking decisions like that when you're dealing with processes to arrive at that decision. As we've seen, people will disagree on the decision that you make, but at least if you've arrived at that using a, a thorough and thought-out process and you're, you're level-headed about it, like as you described there with the, the chap in the Challenge Cup final, then more people would be uh, willing to accept it. I mean, I'm, I'm not massively against uh, miking up the, the decision because for the exactly the reason that, that Terry gave there, I think if it's done in the correct way, I think it's fine. I'm not sure about the referee marching onto the pitch and then announcing it through the PA. That's crazy. But if the VAR, Mr. VAR, is going through his decisions and explaining it, then uh, as he goes, as you described, Terry, then why not? Mm, yeah, I don't see a problem with miking them up per se, but I'm mindful of the fact that where we have most experience of mic'd up referees is in rugby and in cricket and in US okay. sports, mm. all of which speak English all of which nearly every team that plays yeah. speaks English. Football is a global game. Are, are we really mm. going to have mic'd up referees that only speak English? Are, are we going to yes. have the ridiculous situation in the 2026 World Cup where we're going to have Argentina playing Spain in Guadalajara and all the VAR calls are coming out in English? Well, the lingua franca for these tournaments is English, isn't it? Yeah. Unless they're held in France, which case it's French. <laughs> but, but but that is that's that is the lingua the official lingua franca, as far as I'm aware, for UEFA and for and for FIFA competitions. So yes, and in the Women's World Cup, that's what that was the uh, was a problem because I can't remember the game, but one instance after a VAR review, a, a referee gave a goal by mistake or said goal. Oh no, no goal, no goal. Because she got yeah, yeah, yeah. She yeah. wasn't used to speaking English. And performing as well. That's another thing. You're, that's what you're also asking them to do. You're asking them yeah. to become performers to a huge crowd. Yeah, absolutely. Huge amounts of pressure, all spotlight on you. NFL referees will go through years of training mm. for that. And yes, will be expected to, they, they have the benefit of being able to speak what is likely could conceivably be the Spanish is their native mm. language, but the, the likelihood is English. You know, it, it's the official language still of the, of the United States. Um, but yeah, Graham's right. It's difficult enough to become a top line referee, but then you can say, well, actually, now you have to be a natural broadcaster and be prepared to sort of like make pronouncements to tens of thousands of people within a stadium and then millions of people watching worldwide. Is that okay? Cool. On you go. So I don't necessarily think they should be permanently mic'd up like you see in, in other sports, but I think just maybe at that point where they're discussing it, if that's what people are after, I'm not saying I'm, there's a hole in my life where this should be. I just think that if you're going to do it, then maybe just have it for that decision-making process. And then the referee can turn around and point to the spot or whatever. It doesn't have to stand there and give a, give a reason. Sure. Do you know what I mean? It could be my decision is I'm not giving a goal. And then he, he points to the you know, for a goal kick or whatever. I think you could do it to, without it being too performative. But I think that's exactly what they want. I think they want performative refereeing. I think we've, mm. we've got performative management now. We need performative refereeing as well. Oh, man, don't get me started on performative referees. I mean, the culture of celebrity referees is part of the problem as well, to be fair. That's why we've got Howard Webb in that role. We've got Howard Webb in this role because he's the name that people know. Um, not because yeah. he's the best man for the job. He's just because he's recognisable. Yeah. 
And, you know, it's the same with guys like Mike Dean, who you knew when he was a referee, you thought this guy will not just go quietly back into obscurity. You know that famous picture of him celebrating during that playoff win when he was at Tramier, yeah, celebrating yeah, Tramier. Yeah. yeah, he is standing on a seat, waving his arm like that. He is getting as much attention as he can, knowing he's going to get picked up on that. That guy is a celebrity. His memoirs are only a matter of time, and he really hits the jackpot if he gets a chance to go on the jungle or something like that. Uh, yeah, This type of person should not be refereeing games because referees should be, largely speaking, anonymous. Well, we are drifting away from VAR. So that, but it, this is the thing. And so if you encourage people to be more performative, you encourage performative people to become referees. And I'm not certain that that is always the best type of person to do that sort of job. Referees have always been by nature quite officious, I think. Perhaps enjoy being centre of attention, like the sound of their own voice. It takes a certain type of person to want to be <laughs> a referee. I was just listening to all the referees who listen to this podcast and I'm insulting. I, I apologise. I don't mean to be. But you have to have a certain personality type and a certain ego to be able to do something like this. It's like doing a football podcast. You've got to have an ego to think that people are remotely interested in, in what you're saying. You have to be pretty thick-skinned as well. You have to be that... Massively Because oh, so. you're never going to yeah. get to that level, are you, without... No, absolutely not. And there's these bring-on characteristics that, yes, do transfer into celebrity culture or, or ambitions to maintain a career outside of there in the media. I feel that the correct culture to make is to say, well, look, you referee to serve the game uh, for which you're compensated for doing so. That is the ultimate achievement. If you serve the game well, you get paid well, and you get thanked by a grateful game. Well, you won't get thanked by a grateful game, but you get some kind of recognition, perhaps, for the reward. But the idea of maybe thinking, I'm going to be a referee because I want to be a media star, as I want to get into football media, I want to use as a route. And that's what worries me slightly, um, that this is perhaps a path that's taking. I am, of course, talking about elite level referees. Mm. I'm not talking about grassroots level referees who, for the most part, I suspect do. They, they love football. They want to be part of football. And this is how they see about doing it, which is a perfectly noble and prominent reason for being a referee. It is. Are referees at the highest level that performative? I mean, you, you, you've given two really good examples, of course, but they're not all like that, aren't they? Most of the yeah, time, they're quite anonymous. Possibly, you can't possibly have expected me to be able to thought through my argument completely, can you? Well, I mean, this is on. true. I'm, I apologise. I apologise. <laughs> well, no, you're but quite I, right. <laughs> I, I, no, but I, I wasn't trying to pull your argument apart. Scrutiny, but I mean, you know. <laughs> no, but the, I think it, it shines a light on the fact that maybe it's if you're going to have somebody as a referee at that at the highest level, so at the professional level, you need to be selecting for kind of personality types or selecting out certain personality types. So if you've got somebody who wants to be centre of attention or is displaying traits that, that kind of nod towards that, then then you don't let them referee at that level or you keep a close eye on them because you're right, they're, they're a facilitator for the game. They should be anonymous um, and it shouldn't be all about them. And, and, and you know, you are right, Terry. Of course, there have been examples where you've kind of watched the game and gone, this is all about the referee here sometimes, but they're few and far between, but they happen. And the fact that they do happen is wrong. Um, so I think they just need to make sure that they're getting their, get their personality tests out or something like that, <laughs> just to see the, what the type of person is that you're bringing in or, 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 or even better, just watch them actually doing the job 
Um, and if it's becoming more about them, then, you know, they don't get the nod to be at the highest level because it, it shouldn't be about ego. There's enough ego on the pitch already, which is part of what's wonderful about yeah. it. Don't get yeah. me wrong. Yeah. But um, having referees being part of it, that's that's wrong. And I think there's a way out of that. There's definitely a way out of that if you select them properly. Well, there is. But the trouble is we're in the midst of the cult of personality. And, and of course, there are so many big personalities on the touchlines that even if the referee has no personality he has a personality because he has no personality he, he's got always going to be there it's because because you're always going to be trying to put a narrative on there you don't need to put a narrative but they'll just put it on there anyway they will you need a narrative because we're coming back to clicks aren't we and you know keep watching so, we're going to talk about the decisions made for the next half an hour so please keep watching we're going to have three ad breaks in the middle of that half an hour so the solution goes back maybe to what we were talking about last week when I was talking about um, that Dortmund Eintracht Frankfurt game, which had three ridiculous VAR decisions, <laughs> but was just such an excellent game of football. In fairness, because it ended 3-3, but it was just such an excellent game of football that you would, I was just thinking, well, it, I don't really mind here. I'm not, I'm not really annoyed about this. You know, I, this, this was fun. Yeah. And it, feels as though it suggests though that football for a lot of people just isn't fun anymore i mean you know i can understand Mikhail Arteta, it's his job you, you can understand him being upset it's literally his job he's lying what about the rest of us we have no such excuse i mean it's not our job nothing no. terrible is gonna nothing objectively terrible is gonna happen to us if a referee makes a bad call and and if our team loses a game, I mean, we will endure. No, but Terry, so what, I, what I have to go back all the time and correct you on this is that as soon as you tell people that it's not important, there's nothing to worry about, this isn't going to ruin your life, then all of a sudden people start reassessing how much money they actually spend on this thing that really, <laughs> really isn't that important. And then they start thinking, well, I really don't need to, to subscribe to that very, very expensive channel anyway, do I? Uh, yeah, well, uh, I mean, yeah. we could do with a bit of that too, I suppose, to be fair. Yeah. Graham. But uh, yeah, no, you're you're right. That is the correct analysis. It is like this has to be important because why would we charge so much money if it wasn't? Yes. And yeah. Very good. Very good. The thing is about VAR and the place I'm at with it, and I got comfortable with this quite a while ago, was that the fact that we don't want VAR to tell us what's right and wrong. What we really want is we want it to correct the mistakes in the narrative of a game. That's what we want it to mm. do. And that's all we want it to do. We want it to just for do-overs. Because, oh, yeah, yeah, no, no, I didn't want that to happen. Have a look at it and, and, and do it again. It, it's our mulligan. That's what it is. And that, um, when, when VAR works as that, it's fine. When it doesn't work like that, when it's actually like doing things that we don't want to happen... It's the worst thing in the world. And it will never, ever be anything other than that. They haven't made an improvement on VAR in all the years it's been with us. Because you can't. There is no improvement to make on VAR. What it is now is what it will always be. It's never, ever going to get any better. It's really, all they can really do is try to improve our perceptions of it. But it's True. pretty much beyond that anyway. Yeah. We've all got our perceptions uh of it now. And, they, and as we discussed earlier, they could make the presentation slicker and more professional. They could do that. They could. It, but, but, you know, to what extent that's genuine improvement, I don't know. But just yeah. like, you know, making it a little bit more digestible and easy, easy to digest to fans. But the thing is, in the same way that we've never, ever got used to referees getting things wrong, we will never get used 
to a larger group of referees getting things wrong. <laughs> so this pain and anguish <laughs> is going to be with us forever until basically until we're dead. Yeah. And beyond that as well. And beyond the grave. Yeah. <laughs> if the consensus that football arrived at when we had one referee was to have more referees, I'm just wondering at what point is VAR going to go, well, having one on the pitch and what, three at Stockley Park? That's not enough. Then where does that end? You're going to end up having, you know, a, a committee. <laughs> A real-time committee deciding on on decisions. Yeah. It's gonna be like Minority Report, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> He's gonna get sort of like Howard Webb and two other judges, sort of like you know, beaming in and saying, "Yes, no, that's a penalty," you know, and reinforcing every decision. It's gonna be it's it's a shit show, isn't it? Really, let's be honest with you. But, um, oh, actually, I could I could I could run with the the Minority Report was where they had pre-crime, wasn't they? Yeah, that's it, yeah. Now yeah. that would be good in oh, football, no, wouldn't be- it? Yes. Having three fouls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you get sent off before the actual game starts because we know we know you're going to clobber someone on the head with your elbow. Um, and so therefore we're going to send you off before the game even starts. That, that has got to be the end game for all the stats that we're collecting, isn't it? Yes. All yep. this semi-automotive offside, which is tracking their limb movements I mean pretty soon you only need about three or four seasons of that to get as much data as you possibly can and crunch it through and then you won't have to go through the actual rigmarole of actually playing games so just just go completely AI about the whole thing well no you will but as long as you keep hold of that data and keep it to yourself then then you can use it for gambling firms who, who want to set accurate odds mm. Mm. and give a few nuggets away for people to keep paying in which presumably is the end game of all of that. But yeah, you're right. Machine learning, machine learning tools should be able to figure it out eventually, or you know, pretty, with a degree of accuracy about what's what's going to happen, at who's going to win this game. I think, to be honest with you, I mean, we were joking a bit there, but I think that once you've got software and AI that can accurately watch and observe a game and make decisions on it, you will, you know, we talked about this a long time ago. But you won't need a referee. The decisions will just happen. You say we um, joked about it, but we spent an entire podcast talking about it. So, <laughs> we did joke, but the impression but, uh, yeah, I got was, was that I, you were actually quite serious about it. But, well, um, I, but, yeah. I think at the time I was, I was like, if we're going to argue about every decision, or, or and you know, you can't argue with the referee and things like that, then just automate everything. Um, I didn't realise that we'd be taking such a massive step towards that within, <laughs> you know, I don't know, <laughs> ten years. Um, but I, I, yeah, I, I think in the future. In the not too distant future, it sounds like a Black Mirror episode. This doesn't it? You just won't have any referees. It'll just all be done by an algorithm, and then who are you going to blame? Mm. Or the utopian vision of that, of course, is that decisions are arrived at by the players collectively. But it's just something else. I think we talked about in that, podcast, which we did in that episode. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. which is nonsense. But yeah, because it would just turn into an Australian rules game of football, wouldn't it? Just <laughs> punching each other, <laughs> which I have to say would be would be, be quite an improvement on some games yeah, I've watched I mean, this the season. Guy it, the guy had it coming. It's a well, long yeah, exactly. we, 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 had, we have collectively decided not to send that guy off because the other guy had it coming. No. You're fine. Done. There you go. Yeah, that would never work in a million years, would it? Unless we suddenly all change the way that we think hmm. and operate. The transfer market would be a lot different, I think, in that case, wouldn't it? Who would you buy? <laughs> it would it would just be an arms race, wouldn't it, really? 
Well, it already is, oh, but an arms race right. of what? Like, like narcissists and, and yeah. people, uncompromising idiots that refuse to come to a decision. Well, that half hour of discussion uh, really solved a lot of stuff, didn't it, really? So it did. Yeah, yeah. but at least yeah. we didn't talk about individual incidents, did we? No. And we didn't no. talk about Dortmund getting hammered by Bayern, did we? No, no we did not. No, that was good. We didn't talk about the World Cup going to Saudi Arabia. No. No. We might talk about that in the future, I suppose. Well, I say we might. No, we've got 11 years to talk about that. What we, can, what we could probably talk about next time is how come they've chosen the host for 2034 Men's World Cup, but they still haven't chosen the host for the 2027 Women's World Cup. I mean, obviously, we would have that discussion knowing the answer. But yes, it's well worth yeah, yeah. working through it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm up for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when next time the um, there's an international break, maybe we could have a we could have a World Cup chat. Yeah, we can discuss things like Saudi and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, yes. Mm-hmm. <sighs> but what are we going to be watching on telly this weekend? I wonder. What are we going to get mad about this weekend? Terry, by Leverkusen versus Union Berlin. Uh, two diametrically opposed football clubs, I would say, aren't they? Aren't they just? Union Berlin can't stop losing. Bayer Leverkusen can't stop winning. Um, so naturally, yes, of course, this is the day where Bayer Leverkusen lose. No, uh, Union are hopeless. Interesting gesture by uh, the Ultras uh, during the game, the last game, the loss to Frankfurt, putting up a banner in full support of their coach, Urs Fischer, who has done so much for that club over the years that they are the and, and the ultras are clearly making it their their view clear that if he does get sacked it's not their idea mm. um which i think is great and yeah by leverkusen under Xabi alonso just keep i mean we talk about Bayern munich and hurricane but it's by leverkusen who are top of the table yeah they sure are uh yeah. jan sunderland they're not going to allow wayne rudy to have a first win as head coach of Birmingham, are they? They certainly are. <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely happening. Oh. Uh, well, he, he, they got a draw Birmingham didn't they, the other day, so I think that they uh, they picked up their first points. They're only four points behind Sunderland because actually Birmingham were doing all right <laughs> yeah. until they got rid of the manager. Anyway, we, we've talked about that. Um, yeah, it, it, it's just like, it'd be a, a big Sunderland thing to do. But to be honest with you, I mean, we're not massively on form at the moment. Um, we were at uh, Swansea and couldn't beat a 10-man side. That just tells you that we just haven't got, still haven't solved our striker problem. I'd expect Sunderland to win, but if Birmingham are going to continue to improve, um, and he, he's got to get it somewhere. And if he's going to get it somewhere, it's going to be at the Stadium of Light, isn't it? You've already got a preview there already, haven't you, listeners? But maybe yeah. maybe Jan's um, uh, opinions may, may mellow between now and Friday when the box set comes out. Or he can just transcribe what he's just said. I mean, that's roughly 250 words, I'd say. It's about that, yeah. I'd say so, yeah. Yeah, we may also include the final of the African Football League, which is going to be on Sunday. Uh, Terry, have you been staying across that competition? No, I have not. I, I'm aware of its existence, and that's just about it. It's on TNT Sport. But yeah, we, we don't even know whether or not it's going to be on, although we assume it's going to be on. Well, yeah. But the good news is, Graham, I'm not going to be writing that preview. <laughs> well, it might coincide with late Vakuzin Union, so it might not get in the box set anyway. Um, neither will Kosovo versus Israel. I don't think I'm going to be putting that one in there. That's on Sunday night. 
But we will have seven games in there that you can watch that will be on the television if you have the right subscription packages. And if you want to see what we think of those seven games, then get along to sofpodcast.com, click on the link for the weekend box set, and subscribe. Or you can read it on our blog. It's as easy as that. It comes out Friday lunchtime. But that is all we have time for this week. Hopefully next week we'll come here and we won't mention VAR or decisions. But you know what it's like at the moment. There's just no avoiding it, is there? No, there is no nope. avoiding it. Not at all. But that's all we're going to talk about it for this week. So from me, Graham Sibley, from Jan Bilton, and from Terry Fellow, it's goodbye. 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 You can contact us through our website, sofpodcast.com, via Twitter, at Sound of Football, or on facebook.com slash soundoffootball. So, next Monday, I am in Athens. Or, nice. as Helen and Helen says, Athens. Athens. It's possible that that's how the Greeks pronounce it, you know? Well, it's Athena. Yep, it's Athena. But it's, it's not Athens. Athena. Yeah, but it's not Athena, is it? No, it's not. Mm. I'll find out. I'll ask a. I'll ask a local. <laughs> How do you pronounce this place? <laughs> this place. What's it called? Athens. Oh, right. Thanks. <laughs> Unless yeah. you're Greek, in which case it's Athens. Yeah. <laughs> but it depends which part of Greece you're from. If you were if you were an East End Greek, well, yeah, it's like Athens. Well, you see, there's more than one eye. You're asking a number of questions here, my son. Let me talk you through it. <laughs> <laughs> In Greek, obviously. Uh, yeah. yeah.